0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 77 of Nerd Pod Generations. As always, I am one of your hosts, Steve Taylor, along with the lovely L. Jetsum. Hello, sir. Hello, friends and enemies. How you doing, bud? i oh,
1: pretty good, pretty Has good. Has it
0: been a good week for you?
1: It's been pretty decent. All
0: right, folks, so once again, Nerd Pod Generations episode 77. If this is your first time listening to us, please go back and listen to our back catalog. We have 76 episodes of pure gold just waiting for your ears to explode with our knowledge. Mm-hmm um if you want to go back and look at some videos we also have a youtube channel nerdpod generations on youtube make sure to subscribe to the channel like or dislike the videos, uh, leave us comments, and eventually we are going to upload newer ones. It's I think it's going to happen. It's been at like some a way. month or two since we've uploaded it's, a video. But listen,
1: it's been a hard two yeah, months. Yeah, life two. has been rough. It's been a lot. It's been a. We lot. have a lot going on. And man. and the the fact that we are committed to coming back to it is the important yeah. thing right
0: now. And the fact that it's already November. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Don't remind me. me. Jesus Christmas. Yeah. I yeah. Christmas exactly. We're looking at our shopping list. Going oh. Huh. I have a lot to do.
1: I'm going to say this right now. Uh, Friends and enemies, please excuse my dog, Wilson, who is under the table playing. Uh, you're just going to have to deal with him squeaking toys because yes. I'm not going to
0: take it away from him. So we are big on ambient sounds in this podcast so yeah yeah that's so. what the echoes for too exactly it all exactly. makes it feel more homey <laughs> yeah it just it just proves to you that we are just two normal people having a conversation yeah. there's nothing fancy there's no bells and whistles nah. now mind you if you tell a million of your friends to listen to our show and we make a lot of money we will add bells and whistles oh yeah we'll oh, get like 100%. we'll
1: get like the fancy rooms that have the sound nullifying Absolutely. foam in them and like we'll have the fancy setup with the full arm that like you can like rotate closer oh. and away from me oh.
0: see you're getting me all excited please folks tell your friends <laughs> get them listen to this show all right so we start every show off with what have been watching reading and playing i have a couple things to speak up do yeah. you want to start or do you want me to
1: uh i just had a few things i was going to hit on i didn't okay. have anything really in any particular order after last week with our discussion vis-a-vis werewolves which i've still been thinking about for the last week and i
0: had uh my my friend at work that listens to it he said he really enjoyed Listening to us talk about werewolves. But
1: I I did watch Waxwork because I found it available
0: on Voodoo. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was challenging at times. But do you see what I mean? How like the the vignette parts look well made. But the parts like just in the museum look like it was shot by some college kid. I will say the ending falls apart pretty spectacularly. Oh yeah.
1: (laughs) When they get to the full on brawl. It's just like any level of decorum that the movie Well, if had you before. think about
0: it, that has to be what the people who watched Cabin in the Woods saw that. And they're yeah. like, oh, we got to do the same thing. Because yeah. all it was is all the monsters coming out and killing everybody. That
1: was the other thing is that I do love that mixed among probably my favorite thing. Hmm. Is that you get, like, the universal horror monsters. Yes. Great. you got to knock those out, right? Uh, so you have, like, a scene with Dracula, and you have the Wolfman, and you have a, uh, you have the, the appearance of the mummy, and yes. you have kind of this Frankenstein's in the background. And then you have, like, more modern horror things. Mm. So you have, like, the Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. There's, like, a, an Audrey 2-type plant-looking thing, and there's zombies, and there's a few other things. And then mixed among these kind of casually, is the Marquis de Sade. Yes. <laughs> and female sexual pleasure. Which, <laughs> Which is, is amazing! Like, just, I'm just sitting here like, so there's this room of horrors, and then there's this one guy who, yes, his entire thing is that he's going to kill these women. Yes. But also, the women are kind of into it. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just saying they're kind of into it.
0: Yeah, so that no, was, that's that's the 80s, like, coming through in this movie. Yeah. You're like, oh my god, that's so good. Yeah,
1: that just, it, it just, by the time you had the sword fight between mm. the Marquis de Sade and the lame, supposed to, like, he's rich, but he is kind-hearted, yeah. we're supposed to take it's from Billy it. It's Billy from Gremlins. It's so weird. The opening is so weird. Yeah, And, like, it, it, there's just so many moments of it where you're like, what the
0: fuck is going See, on? See, I put this in the category of good, bad movies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a good movie. No. But there are parts that I I say you need to watch it.
1: So, going back to our werewolf discussion, I am going to put the waxwork werewolf in the bottom five. Okay. Because his whole thing is just pure brute strength. Yes. If he gets his hands on you,
0: he will kill you. Yes.
1: But if you're a skilled fighter and you can get out of a grapple. Well, because what I think it is is the special effects. They didn't have a budget. No, so no. they're like,
0: we just got to have him stand there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it. like the
1: dude can rip you in half. Yeah. Like he literally just rips a guy rips down a the middle. In half, yeah. So like pure strength. I, he's over Fruit Brute Lupin. I would put him probably over the Dog Soldiers. I'd put him like seven. But I think even Nard's Werewolf. Nards, oh, yeah. I, the more I thought about the higher Nards werewolf was on my list because he of his regen, people. his regen ability is insane. Yeah, it is It'd insane. it be like saying, well, Wolverine's great, but all he is is kind of like a dog and he has claws and like he can smell things. Like, what's the big deal? I'm like... His regen is yeah. crazy. Like, that's what makes him a superhero. The werewolf's regen is yeah. what puts him... I, I would put him that. at, like, four. Like, he... That that immediately jumps <clears throat> him so much further up I'm the so list. I'm so happy you
0: watch Waxer. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. That is so great.
1: Uh, the other thing that I watched that I might do a YouTube video on, I'm not going to commit to it at this time, but I might, was I watched Beast, which was on... Oh, how uh, was that? It was okay. Okay. It depends on how you feel about Jaws knockoffs or animal monster movies
0: well I heard it was kind of almost a knockoff in some ways to the Ghost in the Darkness I don't know if you ever saw that movie I don't know that movie Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas it was supposedly based on a true story about and I can't remember when it takes place it's like in the early 1900s where Val Kilmer Michael Douglas are hunting these two man-eating lions that are like, they're supposedly a, where, uh, a railroad going through Africa that that is being built. And these lions keep eating like the workers. Mm-hmm. And so they're there to hunt these two like rogue lions. And I was like, it yeah, kind of seems a little... It, it
1: became... So it's it's couched in this interesting idea because okay. every movie has to have a social commentary of some kind to it. Mm. Like, that's literally one of the things that they ask you about when you go to pitch a movie is like, what kind of social commentary can we expect to touch on with this movie? Okay. Uh, so this one, the social commentary is poaching and anti-poaching. And so the, the premise of the movie isn't so much a rogue lion attacks Idris Elba and his family on vacation. That is what happens. But what the plot really is is a group of poachers capture and kill an entire pride of lions except for this one male and now this one male just goes around killing people like he kills an entire village of people he doesn't eat anybody he just kills the entire village and he just goes around killing people and like he is soul bent on just killing any humans he comes in contact with so there is like this element of like okay Mm. alright I I don't think that's really what is gonna be a thing here Mm. Um, so you have to kind of get past that element of the story, okay. but it is, it's pretty good. It's, it's How not How is
0: Copley in it? Cause I love him.
1: He's good. I wish he had a bigger role. It's. Oh, he doesn't have a bigger role. So his role is he's the Bushman who's taking them out and surveying everything. And he knew Idris Elba in college. Okay. And Idris Elba's wife was from South Africa. So basically Shoto Copley introduces Idris Elba's wife to him in college. Oh, okay. okay uh idris elba's wife has recently passed Mm. and he had her buried in wherever they're from i don't remember where they say they're from which is like this this part of contention between the two of them because charlotte copley is like well i don't think she would want to be buried in concrete Mm. and so they they're friends but there is kind of this distance between them that they're Mm. trying to to heal and then this lion attack happens and copley gets really fucked up Mm. so he's basically just in the back of a truck for most of the movie and the, the whole idea is at one point Idris Elba, one of Idris Elba's daughters is like, oh, have you ever heard of anti-poachers? And he's like, oh, whatever. And then we meet the poachers who come back to, mm. to you know, I guess they set off the Idris Elba and his crew set off a trap. Mm. And so the poachers come back to see what's in the trap. They're stuck because their car dies on a cliffside, so they can't get away from this lion, so they're just trapped all night. And the poachers come back, and they see Charlton Copley, and they're like, oh, he's an anti-poacher. And that's the the last of it. <laughs> it like, never comes back, not a plot point, never talked about. It's just kind of like they bring up anti-poachers as a concept. Mm-hmm. They say what an anti-poacher is, and then we find out that he's an anti-poacher, and then there's no development of it after that. So it's just like... It's okay. It's not great. Mm-hmm. It's very all right. It's one of those things where, like, again, the the third act is just kind of a lot to take on. Okay. Um, spoilers. Do you care? No, care. Uh, so the the Copley dies trying to stop this lion, and basically he lures him into a flipped vehicle, and he lights a flare and explodes the vehicle, and then Idris Elba and the girls get away, and they. Um, hike back to the school that they had found Mm -hmm. on their way out into the bush so they're holding up there and the lion comes back even though it was in the car while it exploded and he's like burned and he's limping and everything and i'm just like i cannot follow you down this road anymore man i can't do it like i was it was hard enough for me to be like yeah this lion's just going around killing people for the sake of killing people but now it's like this indestructible lion yeah who
0: it's the the, michael myers of lions
1: exactly you're just like i can't follow you down this road man (laughs) And of course the only thing that can stop a bad lion is a good lion. So there's a pride of good lions that comes along and saves them. Oh, and, you're kidding no, me. No, and that's the ending. Oh, the, okay, that's the lamest part of the whole like, thing. like there's there's I guess the the setup is that Copley had raised the two male lions in this pride as cubs. And so he's like that you, you've seen those videos of guys mm-hmm. that go up to lions that they've raised and they like so they do They that. remember him and yeah. all. Yeah. So they do that, but the, the, the Queen of the Pride won't let them get any closer, but they also see that she's hurt. And so this all doesn't come up into the plot at all, except when Idris Elba is trying to not be killed by the lion. Mm. So I guess his plan is to go near the other Pride of Lions, who will remember him from when he came back with Charlton Copley at the beginning of the movie. Oh my god, that's a And then they'll save him. It, it just—it was one of those things of just like this is how we're ending the movie. Okay, all right, fine. It, but there wasn't really any resolution, any storylines or plot. There, <clears throat> there wasn't really any character development to mm. be found. It wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't a great movie. It was mm. like a, a B minus movie. It was fine.
0: I think B minus is still a yeah. pretty decent it, score.
1: It's fine. It's not gonna wow you. You're not gonna be sitting there like, oh, this is great. You're gonna be sitting there like, well, this is all right. I kind of like the concept and I kind of like the execution, mm. but. This, 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 and this.
0: It is Idris Elba, too. Yeah. And I love Idris Elba.
1: Yeah, that and he's good. good. I he's wish awesome. that he had just kept his English accent instead of trying to be American.
0: I mean, oh, he did his American accent? What, is this the Wire 2 or something? I know, it's right? Like, come on, man, let me be British. Yeah, yeah. That's so dumb.
1: Especially because, so like, I don't think Copley from South, Amer- South Africa went to America for schooling. I couldn't yeah. see him going to England for schooling.
0: Yeah, that would make sense. Um,
1: one of the interesting ideas that they bring up but don't do enough with is that Idris Elba is a doctor. Mm. so as he finds people that are injured by the lion he tries to save them and often can't i got you and so like that's how Stralton copley survives most of the movie is because it yourself a doctor and he's constantly taking care of him but it's just like I, again i wanted there to be more here i yeah. wanted there to be more things done with all these ideas there's a lot of really cool ideas here just you don't execute on any of them
0: that's too bad uh, yeah i hate what you know and that's that's unfortunately modern movies yeah nowadays That's how the majority of them are. Yeah. They're just disappointing to an extent. So I think before I get into mine, we need to kind of touch on something big Mm. that happened, which is Henry Cavill is out as The Witcher after this next season. Yep. And Liam Hemsworth (laughs) is in. Thor from the
1: daytime talk show version of Thor
0: is going to be our new girl. So I have nothing against Liam Hemsworth.
1: I just haven't seen anything that I like him in.
0: I'll be honest. I didn't hate the sequel to Independence Day mm. that he was in, I thought it wasn't good, but it wasn't awful. Like, I actually, there were parts of it I liked, and he was the male, one of the male leads in it. The um, only other
1: thing that I, I know him from is The Hunger Games, which, again, is not a series that I like.
0: So Yeah, like, not a massive fan of that. He wasn't
1: great in that, and I didn't like those movies at all very much to begin with. I just, like,
0: he, he was on a talk show, and he was talking about when he was in The Expendables 2. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who did not see that, he dies early in the movie because Jean-Claude Van Damme kicks a knife into his chest. And he said the knife was CGI and Jean-Claude just had to kick him in the chest. And he said he got a full Jean-Claude in the chest and it like knocked him to his knees. And afterward Jean-Claude came up to him and said, oh, don't worry, it was a controlled kick. He's like... There was nothing controlled about it. You kicked me in the chest. Yeah. And no matter how much of a douche you are, you are still a great kickboxer. <laughs> so he said he, like, knocked him to his knees. Yeah, that um, sounds But right. I just... Uh, listen, I, I know people are excited about Cavill as Superman. Mm-hmm. I would have given anything for him to not do Superman and continue to do The Witcher.
1: Especially because the DCEU is dying. What's the purpose of bringing him yeah. back as Superman if if you're going to just... I would so much rather... Have a black Superman. Like. A black super, Any Even rebooted as like a Superboy or something. Anything. You know, do something. Anything. I would. <coughs> you've seen the animated Man of Tomorrow. Yes. I love that. And it's that's so such good. a great story. I would so much rather do that. And I hate origin stories. I yeah. hate them. And I would so much rather do the Man of Tomorrow storyline. But if you think about it. I
0: mean. Man of Steel. It was an origin story. But in my opinion. It was a poorly done origin story. Yeah. So it's like. Of all the characters to reboot, mm-hmm. they needed to reboot it. Like, if you're going to reboot the DCEU, it's the same thing if they ever decide to reboot Marvel. You have to start fresh with Captain America. Reboot it. Start with the origin story. Do that. Because it's like, they're the foundations.
1: But even then, I wouldn't want them to bring Chris Evans back as Captain America no, again. No, exactly. So what's the purpose actor. of bringing Henry Cavill back to do Superman again? I just don't... <sighs>
0: get it i don't i don't see it and what makes me wonder is there was rumors that he was like the head of the class to be the next james bond
1: mm-hmm.
0: it makes sense with him ditching the witcher if he's a going back to being superman and b going to be taking on james bond yeah and if that's the case i might be okay with it if he is going to be james because i think he'd be an awesome james bond but if he's not james bond and he's just doing superman or whatever This it bothers me because he is Geralt. Or if the script's not
1: there. Or if the director isn't there. Yeah. You know, like, I remember years and years ago when they announced that they were coming out with a new Batman that wasn't part of the DCEU but was going to be directed by Matthew Reeves. And they were, like, batting around ideas of how to do Superman around the same time. Uh, And the idea of having the guy who did Kick-Ass and First Class... Uh, Matthew Vaughn, mm-hmm. the idea of, of having him direct a Superman story, I was like, that'd be really cool. I could get behind that. But just, like, going back to the well again on Henry Cavill, I don't I don't see it, man. Because either you need to have it take place in the DCEU, in which case you might be able to pull off, like, a, a you know, fading glory kind of idea of, let's just do one good Superman story before we close out the DCEU. Or... Is this going to be part of Flashpoint? Like,
0: what is the purpose of this? I don't understand that. What is the purpose of any of this? And the thing is, is I didn't necessarily have anything against Cavill's Superman. Mm -hmm. I thought his Superman was fine. But once again, and I've beaten this like a dead horse, his Clark Kent sucked. I mean, you barely saw his Clark Kent. But I go back to the fact that to Superman, Clark Kent is as important as Superman, if not more important.
1: Oh, 100%. So you
0: need to nail that. Like it's even more than like people were, were bitching about the Robert Pattinson, his Bruce Wayne being emo. It's like, yeah, but really Bruce Wayne isn't that big a deal.
1: It's Batman
0: that you gotta pull off. Like Bruce Wayne is a side character. It also
1: depends on which version of Bruce Wayne we're talking about. Are we talking about the public facing perception of Bruce Wayne? Are we talking about the private perception of Bruce Wayne? Because the private Bruce Wayne is the most emo guy in the world. Well, that's true. Don't even start with me. That's a garbage argument. That is true. It's not... That's a non-starter. If we're talking about the playboy Bruce Wayne, who's supposed to be face forward and all these other things, they weren't doing that in this version of the Batman. That wasn't a major plot point. So I I, I think it's a non-starter on the issue. But I just... The only thing I can think of is if they do Crisis. If they do Crisis and Henry Cavill plays Superman in Crisis... And that's why he's back. Then I can be like, okay, all right, we're doing something here. Literally anything else. If this is just a run of the mill Superman story, I don't care. I don't care that you have Henry Cavill. That's not important to me anymore. You know, that hasn't been important to me since 2017. And then when uh, they did the Snyder cut, Mm -hmm. I wanted to see how they did Henry Cavill as Superman and Snyder cut. Literally don't care. Don't not going to care because you botched it.
0: Yeah, they fucked bringing up. Bringing it back now. And that's the problem help. with the DCEU. And, and why, like, I know Black Adam just came out and their, the sequel to Shazam coming out. And they're all integral, like, into this current DCEU. They need to reboot the whole thing. It's all going away. They've, it's got all going. away.
1: They've basically confirmed that they are getting rid of it. and every But, well, like, we're but still words. getting Aquaman
0: 2. And, like, all like they're still, like, going in on these things. It's like, did you see it came out? What I think it was... Last year D C or the like HBO Discovery lost mm-hmm. like two and a half billion dollars. They also recouped
1: sixteen billion in uh tax credits yeah so that's where all that went
0: yeah all those things that we all wanted to watch all those things that everybody put a lot of hard work into westworld just got canceled Yeah. season five, which i wasn't really into westworld but i know a lot of people loved it yeah and this season five canceled
1: they again they haven't canceled young justice but they have no plans to continue it they haven't been in talks with the animation studio to continue it and now they've canceled the comic series that runs alongside it so it doesn't look good yeah I guess that wedding is going to be
0: the end of the series, guys. It's just a mess. It's just an absolute mess. Yes.
1: I did want to say, while we're talking about casting news. Okay. I've been talking about Wonder Man a lot this year. And we have a Wonder Man. And I'm down for... This is good. I'm down for him, too. Mm -hmm. This is Yaha Abdul-Mateen.
0: Who played uh, Black Manta in Aquaman. Yes,
1: and he played... the lead in Candyman last yes. year. Yes, he's been he's been in quite a few things. Yep. Wasn't
0: he in, um, he was in Watchmen I, also? He was in the Wa- TV show. He was
1: he was uh, Doctor Manhattan in Watchmen. Yes, and then I think he was also Morpheus in the most recent Matrix. Yes, movie. he was. He was. So he's great. He's a great actor. I'm totally pumped.
0: I want to see his Simon Williams. What I'm hoping though, mm-hmm. and once again, they are setting this up. especially with the the talk of Vision coming back in a new series. Oh, Vision has to come Avengers. back. Yeah, West Coast is the only way to go. They have to do West Coast yeah. Avengers. And it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to decide if it would make more sense to do it as a TV series. Or to do it as... Because they already have like the Avengers moniker as a film series. West Coast Avengers might work best as a Disney Plus series. It could work as a Disney Plus series. My
1: I need to know a few things. I need Because we can put She-Hulk, Ant-Man, Wonder Man... Uh, Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Who was uh, the leader of the West Coast Avengers? One of them, because yeah. it's it's either going to be Old Man Clint, and he's just going to be the guy in the chair that calls out everything, or it's going to be Kate. I would honestly rather have Kate at this point, but mm. she's also going to be in Young Avengers, so you yeah. can't have her. Split so I'm thinking time. Old
0: Man Clint. Yeah, because that gives him something to do. Bring back
1: Mockingbird. Yes. Because you've never done Mockingbird mm. well, even if you just have a different person whose code name is also Mockingbird. At this point. I'm going to say that Bobby Morris is never going to be done well in the MCU. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to set my heart on it because it's just never going to be
0: a thing. And, like, I'm wondering how they would, like, bring back... Because I know West Coast Avengers also had Quicksilver and Wanda Maximoff.
1: And they had U.S. Agent and War Machine.
0: Yeah. So it's like, how far are they going into this? Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't be
1: surprised if it's not a one-to-one ratio of Mm. West Coast Avengers. I wouldn't even be surprised if Hawkeye... Doesn't end up on either the Thunderbolts or the West Coast Avengers mm-hmm. because this is the MCU and we can't have anything nice. That's right. I'm still so pissed about the Thunderbolts. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> the fact that they're trying Taskmaster again. Yeah. You punted. You don't get to try again. Yeah. Okay. This isn't like you punted with 30 seconds left in the game. You don't get to get the ball back and try again.
0: You punted. Yeah. Okay. You said we're not doing this.
1: Fuck off.
0: Yeah. Anyway. But no, I love the casting. Yes. There is still plenty of opportunity for them to fuck up the character, which I hope they don't. I hope they don't. I love Wonder Man.
1: Simon Williams is such an easy layup character. Mm -hmm. You start with him as an industrialist who gets put out of business by Tony Stark, doesn't like Tony Stark, has a feud with him, moves on with his life, becomes an Avenger, goes into acting, Yeah. becomes weirdly really good at acting, becomes like a top name Bill star of acting. Yeah. Starts having conflicts with the Avengers because he doesn't know that their methods are the best way to go about things. There's so much to do with there's Wonder so much, Man, but that's the
0: problem. Is there's depth, yeah, and nothing you can say in the MCU has depth. No, to it, not a thing. No, and it's like I I really hope they lay into the actor part, yeah, because I I do I did enjoy the early like his his becoming what he what he ended up becoming in the comics. But I loved him as an actor. It reminded me, I was trying to explain to people, it reminded me of, imagine Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. but with superhuman strength. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Super cocky, <laughs> but a great fighter. Oh my god. And it's like,
1: that's what we need. is Can we get him? This is such a tall order. Okay, this is on the same level of okay. having the leader in She-Hulk. This is one of those things that I want, and it seems like an easy thing to do, but there's a million miles of road between us and getting it done. He needs to have Beast as a roommate. It has to happen before the end of season one. I don't care how you do it. He doesn't have to be full Beast. He can just be Hank McCoy, local doctor student. I don't really care. But it's incredibly important that those two share room at some point.
0: Which, if they're trying to pigeonhole the X Men into the universe, which slowly, they keep on hinting at, that would be a good way. Just do it, man.
1: You introduce no, Beast. You just it
0: just
1: just have him have it's a roommate one of the named Dominoes. Have him have a roommate named Hank. Mm-hmm. Leave it at that. He has a roommate. His roommate's name is Hank. He's a scientist.
0: But Kelsey Grammer's so old, though. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> we could we could bring in Nick
1: Holt. <laughs> Yeah, he still looks pretty young. He, he, could, he could still could play the part. He could pull off a thirty-year-old. And Hank I did McCoy. enjoy him. He was really good. He as was Hank really McCoy. good as piece Yeah, I he wish really he good. ran on all fours in first class. That yeah. is still my biggest gripe. Is that scene of him running all the way around the compound on two feet i'm just like this is the biggest load of bullshit i've ever seen yeah. it's all fours
0: baby it's all fours yes yeah. like the werewolf in mm-hmm. wolfman mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. To all fours. which i also yeah. just rewatched. me too on halloween no, no, I re-watched
0: it. <laughs> yeah me too yeah, it was so great um it's funny too my wife came downstairs and i'm like listen it's halloween i'm watching a movie that you will not want to watch are you okay with it it's yeah. okay yeah. and then when he ripped the liver out of the guy she's like oh <laughs> yeah. It that was t- it. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. he a little it, it, dude.
1: It's, it's, it's that, just, that kind of movie. Yeah, kind of Um I I forgot that that was also directed by who might be my low-key favorite director because every movie he does I love. Joe Johnston. Yeah. Who did the fucking Rocketeer, who did fucking Captain America First Avenger, who did fucking This Wolfman. Like the guy does Hidalgo.
0: He, There's so many dude, movies Hidalgo he's done. Was on. a very underrated movie, right? It was slow, which turned a lot of people off, but it was so. It was well very done. good, yes, and, I, sure. and it was. I, I was disappointed that that it didn't do better because that was the starring project for Viggo Mortensen right after, yeah, the Lord of the Rings movies, and yeah. it's like. We really wish that would have, because then he went on and did Eastern Promises and um, where he was History of Violence. History of Violence, which those two movies are, yeah, in my top <laughs> like top thirty of favorite movies ever. I
1: I was watching History of Violence uh-huh. with two buddies of mine, who are not as big into movies. They're they're big into movies, but they're not like big into movies. Mm. And one of them is very religious, uh, and very similar to who I was, but a little a little less so than I mm. was. But but in that same vein of like oh. Uh, and we were watching history of violence cause I didn't know anything about it. I just knew it was this really good movie that had a great cast uh-huh. and had great reviews. And I was like, let's fucking watch it. And the scene, the 69 scene is everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where the, the wife comes out in a cheerleading costume and then he eats her out. I was just like, Oh, and my yeah. buddy is just next to me. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That was a good scene. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. All right. Anyway. So moving on, do you know Burt Kreischer? No. Okay, stand-up comedian Burt absolutely love the guy. He is hysterical. He is known for, he's a large fat man who loves to drink. Mm-hmm. And every time he does stand-up, it was like one of his earlier stand-ups, he had taken his shirt off and everyone loved it. So now he does every stand-up without a shirt on. Okay, he's just this big I think I've seen this guy. He is known for his great story called The Machine, which okay. is a true story. He is actually what they based the movie Van Wilder off of. Because he was in college for like seven years. I I, want to say it might have been Florida State. It was like a big college. And he never did anything but party. And he was like this big man on campus. And he told this story in one of his stand-ups. A true story of how he went to Russia with his Russian class. And ended up becoming best friends with the Russian mafia. And they robbed a train. And he would get wasted with them all the time. And like it was this huge story. They're making a movie of it. And they finally released the trailer. Uh And it looks amazing. Awesome. His dad in the movie is played by Mark Hamill. By the way. <laughs> um but it's it it's it by what I'm getting from the trailer, it's years later and it's the fallout from when he robbed the train mm-hmm. and he stole a watch from this mafia woman's father and like it all this like it's really kind of tough to see where the story's going. Is he starring in it? He's starring in it. Okay. But it looks absolutely hysterical. Like this, there's a scene at the end where he rips, he's trying to help this woman who has something stuck in her leg and he rips it out and all this blood's coming. And it looks like she's going to puke. And he's like, don't, don't puke. I'm going to puke. I'm gonna... And then he like pukes in his hand. And he's gonna. Like, he puts it in his pocket. She goes, did you put it in your pocket? he's like, I didn't know where to put it. It was like little things like that. The trailer looks awesome. So I highly recommend people go watch the trailer and then look up Burt Chrysler, the machine on YouTube and it's like a 12-minute clip of him telling the story for the first time. It's awesome. Yeah. And like it, I cannot wait to see this movie. It actually blows my mind. But the main thing I wanted to talk about, I was very curious about this show when I heard it was coming out. Now, as a preface to this, years ago, I worked as a manager at Blockbuster Video. It was my all-time favorite job ever. I can't imagine why. Because I was that guy. People would come in and be like, hey, I'm looking for that movie with the guy and that thing. I'm like, oh, Top Gun. It's over there. Yeah, that's it. And like, they go get it. Absolutely love the movie. or I love that job. Um, And I was there when Netflix started to become a thing Mm -hmm. and offered themselves to Blockbuster. And Blockbuster laughed them out of the room Mm -hmm. and then slowly got put out of business. Yeah. So, of course, now Netflix created a show called Blockbuster. I saw this. About the lot, last... Did you watch it? I haven't watched it. I just saw that it was a thing. Okay. A, I love the irony. The company that put them out of business is making a show about them. It stars Randall Park. He plays Kim Jong-un, folks who don't know, in the interview. He was also in the MCU. He was the FBI, the FBI agent and 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 Vision. in man and WandaVision. And he's also in The Young Rock right now. Like, he, him and The Rock like talk before the show. Oh. And, uh, um. It is is it really bad now mind you I've only watched one episode it is so horribly not funny and terrible and of course his employees because the whole storyline is it it starts with they're in this they're, they're working in this blockbuster and he gets a call saying you are the last blockbuster the last seven have closed you are the only one left and corporate is out of business good luck phone hangs up. he's like, Is the right. blockbuster in Alaska or wherever it is? No, it was, uh, yeah, was it Alaska or Oregon or something like that? But they were the last one. So, of course, all of the employees are quirky in their own way. And it's so blatantly awful. And J.P. Smoove, who I love, especially from like Curb Your Enthusiasm and I love him. Mm-hmm. He plays the owner of like a party city who's like high school friends with Randall Park's character. Oh my God, he's not funny. And the whole thing is so bad. I was watching it, uh, was it yesterday or the day before, and my wife came down to do some work and I looked at her I was like, I don't think this is good. And I was like 10 minutes into it. And when it ended, I was like, that's so bad. And it really was. Like, it is horrible. And I wanted to, like, folks, once again, when we trash something, we go into it wanting it to be good. Yeah. I wanted this show to be good, and one of the problems I think they have is even though it's a Netflix show, it's scripted like a like a uh, network show. Mm-hmm. It's like if they had vulgarity and nudity, whatever, yeah, make it more of an adult theme. Kids aren't gonna watch. This. What kid wants to watch something about? They don't even know. A they blockbuster don't know what blockbuster video is. is. Exactly. They have no frame been out of reference for, for what For so long, is. people in their twenties don't know what the hell blockbuster yeah. is. Make it for adults. Make it with. Make it very like gr- blue and blue make humor. Make it clerks, but in a Blockbuster. Exactly. Thank you so much. Yeah. And no, nothing. It is completely sanitized, and it is horrible. Mm-hmm. If like it makes some of the Adam Sandler movies that have been on Netflix look good. That's how bad it is.
1: Look, like,
0: I did not laugh at one thing. Not even like a chuckle or a smile. I had a deadpan look on my face the entire episode.
1: You know what's the worst about those types of shows that you what's know that? ABC and NBC and CBS all passed on? Uh, is they still have the breaks for laughter, even if there's no laugh track. Yeah. So you hear this incredibly unfunny joke and it just hangs in the air like a fart. And then another one comes through and you're just like, I hate this. Yeah. I haven't watched the show, but that's what it sounds it like to me. It's so bad. Yeah.
0: Like, I I really, typically I would tell people, you know what, watch it just so you can see what I'm talking. I don't even want you to waste your time. Yeah. I really don't. I need you to just trust my judgment on this. It is horribly bad.
1: We'll come back to this concept in 10 years and make it a movie. Yeah. And
0: see if we can do it better that time. But, you know, like even they did with Waiting. Yeah. That was R-rated. Yeah. But it was already. Oh, I it's it was definitely underrated. And so was um Slam and Salmon, which is a very underrated movie. You ever heard of Slam and Salmon? Broken Lizard, right? Broken Lizard. Yeah. So it it's ha- definitely r rated it, right <laughs> Be- it was right after Beer It was right after Beerfest, mm-hmm. which I loved Beerfest. Like that everyone is like Super Trooper, Super Trooper, Super Trooper. Love that movie. Beer Fest and Slam and Salmon, I think, are on like a new wavelength above them. I think
1: I saw Beerfest before I saw Super Trooper.
0: Yeah, and it was. beerfest is so good. It's
1: just a, it's just an overwhelming experience. I think yeah. I did a double feature with a buddy of mine, one of the same guys I watched History of Violence with. Not the, he's not the religious one, uh, but we did a double feature of 300 and I think the first two thirds of Beerfest, and then Ooh. I had to go because this was back in high school.
0: <laughs> well, so you didn't see the end. I know. the end of Beerfest is great. Um, especially the post-credit scene is them walking down an alley and all of a sudden a door opens and all the smoke comes out and Willie I do Nelson see comes this. Out. Yes. I do
1: remember the scene. Yeah.
0: Yes. Hey you guys, we got uh, a pot fest or whatever. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but no, I uh, slamming salmon. It's Michael Clark Duncan is a retired boxer who owns a seafood restaurant or like an upscale one. And he needs $10,000 to pay off like some mafia guy. And so it takes place in one night in this restaurant. And all the staff has to make this $10,000 for him. And it's awesome. It's, I highly recommend for people that want to watch a restaurant movie, of course there are things that are embellished, but for the most part, it is what happens in a restaurant on a busy night.
1: That's one of those things I'm getting really annoyed with, is this idea of uh, movies embellishing things and that being bad.
0: I'm like, that's always been the thing.
1: That's... But see, what I
0: liked about the embellishments, and yes, folks, this is one of our million tangents we go on. Oh, but we don't have a plan this episode. This episode could just be tangents. Well, that's true. (laughs) Um, The embellishment in um, waiting always pisses me off, which is them spitting in people's food. Yeah. I have worked in restaurants for 30 years. I have never seen somebody spit in people's food. Mm -hmm. That is not like... it, It probably happens, but it does not happen in the frequency. Now, in beer fest or not beer fest in Slam and salmon somebody returned something and they throw that shit in the microwave it was like a 30 dollar piece of fish thrown in the microwave i have seen that i have done that a million times It's like you want well done i'm gonna throw your steak in the fryer just to get it but like things like that nothing that's going to make somebody ill or kill yeah. them but just something that is going to irritate yeah them. um but i highly highly recommend that movie it's so good it's not even part of my list tonight yeah of my three obscure films but i still it, it, as far as broken lizards go that is one of my yeah. all-time favorites it's I'm, so good
1: i i've never been huge into broken lizard it's one of those things i kind of want to get into but i i kind of it's well, there, a little too much for me a ton of
0: great ones like um uh, the sequel to uh, super troopers isn't that great yeah and club drab really isn't that good it's how okay. is how
1: is the show that they're doing they have a firehouse show
0: i haven't even watched it yeah so, so we'll see. Who knows? So, Blackbuster show. Do not watch it. Okay. We've got to delve into. Andor. Something I'm very excited to talk about. Andor episode nine. Yeah. Holy shit. The show keeps getting better. How does it get better and that better? That ending better?
1: scene might be one of the best scenes of TV I've seen all year. Yeah. Where it, they're just discussing what happened on level two. Oh. Andy Serkis in the show. Oh, my God. Is so If he doesn't good. get an Emmy
0: for Best Supporting Actor, I want to burn the Emmys down. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good in this episode alone. Yeah, when, when they're walking and, and Andor asks him the question, how many guards are he? he doesn't even look at him. He just says it. Because well, like, you can see in his eyes there the was rage. The, so the setup to the episode. One
1: of the things I actually like about this show is that unlike so many other shows where <laughs> you're waiting for the next fight scene or it's kind of simplified so every episode has its own plot that is integral to the one episode and then moves on to whatever happens next no this is just an ongoing growth of what's happening and all these various storylines yes. that have gone on so we're still in the prison and uh and has made some friends mm-hmm. in the prison he now has some people on his side that are planning a little breakout and he keeps on asking andy circus how many guards are on each floor and andy circus says shut up and work yeah and they have many conversations that effectively boil down to shut up and work. And halfway through the episode, some crisis happens. Yeah. And it's this great piece of storytelling where you just see a lot of people running around. And you're like, what's going on? And, all and the they're characters doing are like, a sign language thing
0: in between the Everybody's tunes. freaking
1: out. Everybody's yeah. freaking out. Andy Serkis is trying to get everybody to stop freaking out. And then it comes up, oh, something happened on level two. Yeah. okay what the fuck happened on level two and then we go to bed for the night and then we get up the next morning and we talk to night shift and they're like oh everybody on level two died yeah and we're not supposed to know why yeah and so it the discontent is rising and there's an old man in the prison who dies because he has a stroke while
0: working which before we get on to that um the whole reason that is the that whole floor died? Is they found out that no one gets out of this prison?
1: That's what I was about to lead to, yeah. Yeah, because that's what ends up pushing Andy Circus too far is that they find out that when you are released, you're basically picked up and brought back to another section of the prison where yes. nobody knows you. Yes, and so you just start a new rotation on that section. And that's
0: what makes the death of Ulf, which is the old man, and a little trivia: mm-hmm. he is. In the Tim Burton Batman, when Batman holds the criminal over the building in the beginning and says, Who are you? He goes, I'm oh, Batman. That's the guy. Oh, yeah? That's him. Because <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm watching that. I'm like, God, he looks familiar. Yeah, he's the one. Who are you? I'm Batman. That's the guy, the, the criminal. <laughs> they euthanize him yeah. for his own good. It was yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah. That was so crazy. It,
1: the whole thing, the last scene of that, sh- of that episode was so good. Oh it was some God. of the best writing and storytelling I've seen literally all year. It was it was so good. It was earth-shattering yeah. good. And just like there's other stuff happening in the episode we find out that Vel is related to Mon, Mon Mothma's niece. And uh, there's issues going on with Mon Mothma's finances, and who's really in on this rebellion.
0: And and that scene with her in the Senate, and yeah. everyone starts chiming out because they're on the Emperor's side, and she's like watching, and she's just trying to keep yeah, her voice she's loud so enough. Trying, and you're like, holy crap! Yeah. But that scene when Vel leaves, I was just just taken aback by how beautiful that shot was of Mon Mothma standing framed in the archway yeah. as the camera slowly pulls back. And I was like, that's gorgeous. Yeah, That's a better shot than 90% of the Star Wars movies. The
1: costuming in this show. We oh. haven't talked about the costuming in this show. It's so good. It's so
0: good. It's so good. And,
1: and it just shows you so much about the characters and their mindset. Yes, And whether it's Cyril with his stupid faux tie that's just like on this little d ring on his neck and oh my god uh or like the imperials the imperials costumes are of course where they need to be uh but like the way that you can tell the difference in vel by her clothes and by her attitude you can see where there's this very clear disconnect between what everybody thinks is going on and what's actually going on
0: and then when i was going into this show this week i read a little spoiler saying in this show you see the brutality of the empire Mm-hmm. Like, the true viciousness. And at first, I'm like, eh. Until you get to the torture scene. Yeah, that was crazy. And you're like, I don't give a shit about Poe getting tortured in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Or even Han Solo getting tortured in Empire Strikes Back. The torture they did on Bix. No, that's the next level. The psychological torture breaking her mind with, yeah. like, the cry and the tears and screaming of, like... Yeah. Holy shit! They, they,
1: the Empire and their journeys through the galaxy has found a planet and on this planet is a group of people that don't want to leave so the empire wipes them out and wouldn't you know it when you kill these people they make an incredibly awful noise that drives you to madness and oh we're so crazy as the empire we're going to sift through all this information we're going to find the children's voices yes and we're going to amplify those so that it's just this this wall of sound of just pure torture and and fear and
0: death and oh it's all children and unlike a bad show that would have had bix like fighting it yeah no, no. she gives up the information she because like, it drives her She nuts. practically dies yeah that was when i was watching them describe that i was like holy shit this is next yeah. level yeah this is this is everything i've ever wanted in star wars yeah i, I i'm a thousand percent everything i've ever wanted this, and it is so good
1: after what's it been 45 <laughs> years Is it 45 years since 77? Yeah. After 45 years, we actually have, like, something that shows us the evil of the Empire. Like, up until this point, we were told that the Empire was evil, but we never really saw how they were evil. We just were told that they were evil
0: by sources that we found credible, so we assumed they were evil. Dude. Well, <laughs> now we see how they're evil. And then, as a small side note, you have Cyril, who is the Anthony Perkins uh, psycho the, the, of our the day. The Norman Bates. He is now also a stalker. He's stalking this woman. Like, they, I, there better be a payoff with this guy. They are setting him up to be the craziest psychopath he in the is, history of the world. He's going down this
1: whole new rabbit oh hole. Oh, my God. Like, when he is stalking her... Uh, Dedry, I yes. think her name is Dedry. When he's stalking Deirdre, her,
0: Dedra or whatever. Yeah, uh,
1: he he basically is like he he apparently wants to thank her, but he also kind of wants a job. Yeah, and he kind of wants to work for, her, and he kind of wants to fuck her.
0: There is a sexual tension there. <laughs> yeah, but even with her, oh, like she's not interested in him at all. See, that's the thing though. Is the only reason why I think that might not be true is you would assume anyone that was as aggressive towards her as he is, she would have just had them killed. Mm -hmm. But she lets him go and said, let's forget about this. And to me, I'm like, there's something there. Because I can't see her doing that with anybody else. But for some reason, she let him just go. Yeah. After stalking her and grabbing her. Grabbing her. her. It's
1: like, she wouldn't have let any fucking one do that. No, he was going to... I thought he was going to end up in the prison with Cassia.
0: And it's like... What I love about how he's playing this character, like, as he's talking to her, you see his eyes tearing up with frustration and emotion. And you're like, holy shit, this guy's nailing this part. And it's such a small side story in everything that
1: happens in this episode. This has got to go somewhere. Because if this doesn't go anywhere, then this whole thing will have been a giant waste of time. And so this has to be going somewhere. It has to be going somewhere.
0: I, I actually, this is one of the few TV shows that shortly after I watched it the first time, I, I it was the, was it the, no, it was yesterday. I rewatched it yesterday. Yeah. Because I had to see it again. Because it was so, especially like you were saying with Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Like, that, that scene where they're talking after they
1: euthanize Ulaf. Oh my God. And he just immediately gives up the information. Like, and it's not even rage a thought, not in a his face. Yeah. Without him raising his voice or... He never shows any sign of
0: it, but you can just see the betrayal in his eyes. It's like, I want it, like, if people don't start casting him in more things mm-hmm. as himself, as much as I love him doing the, the CGI stuff, as himself, there's something wrong. Yeah. Especially after how he was as Alfred in the Batman, which he mm-hmm. nailed it. And then this, he is just killing it He's right killing now. it. Caesar? I still say, you. I point to Caesar... And that performance, oh, Caesar's great!
1: Like it's mocap and everything. Yeah, it's so good. It's such. a Those movies would not be nearly as compelling if Andy Serkis was not behind them.
0: In the next five years, if he doesn't get an honorary Oscar, mm-hmm. there's something wrong. Yeah, there's something for wrong for what he's done for cinema.
1: The one thing I will say unequivocally: he better not turn into Snoke sometime during this. Oh, I don't series. Think he will. I don't think he will. that better not be the final angle on all this, because... especially
0: because the way they played it off in. The was it the rise of Skywalker that awful yeah. last movie is that Snoke looked like that when he was coming out of his pod or pod whatever. or whatever yeah like the the failed genetic testing or whatever he just looked all fucked up like yeah. That. No, they, they need to distance them. I think they even know they need to distance themselves as much as possible from those last few movies. Yeah, They were so fucking bad.
1: It was the the fact that Last Jedi was mm. as divisive as it was, to say nothing of the, the film itself, mm. uh, and then Rise of Skywalker did nothing to quell those concerns. Yeah. And in fact, just really pissed off hardcore fans more yeah. because casual fans were like, oh, it's fine, whatever, I don't care. But people that have been waiting for this shit since they were 10... We're like, I don't fucking want to do Palpatine again. I'm not yeah. interested in Palpatine again. And this weird force thing where they can pass objects behind their back. I don't, you can't change all the rules. Look, the... the way
0: I like to describe those two movies is The Last Jedi is awful. Mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker is unwatchable. Mm-hmm. I have tried to rewatch that. I can't make it five minutes into it. Mm-hmm. It's so awful. It's like disgusting. Like I, I could talk more and more about Like I don't even want to talk about bad Star Wars. I want to keep talking about good Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> It's It sucks that there's only one more season because I think it's only two seasons they're doing a Vandor. I can't imagine
1: much more than that.
0: Like, they need to... I, I hope they look at the, what this show is and the quality and all that and all the future shows like Ashoka. They, they make them in the vein of this. Mm-hmm. I don't think they will, unfortunately. Like, no. I'm curious to see what Mandalorian Season 3 looks like. Mm-hmm. But this proves that you can make a dark Star Wars and kill it.
1: I, I really am beginning to wonder if the answer to the question isn't who is behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Because I think Favreau and uh, Dave Foley mm-hmm. are amazing. And then this has been great. I can't remember the name of the guy who's behind this. Let me look it up really quick. Toby
0: Haynes. Toby Haynes. Uh, and Tony Gilroy, I yep. think, was also one of the he creators. Created, he was one of the creators. Which, he was the one that did Rogue One, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So, like, they're killing it. But then you look at, like, Robert Rodriguez and Volca Boba Fett. I look at a lot of the bad decisions there, and I can't help but wonder if that wasn't Robert Rodriguez. Which
0: I think it is, because Robert Rodriguez, if you look at his track record lately, is not good. Yeah. Like, he has gone downhill. And I wish I could remember the actor's name, but one of the five actors on his, let's say, pit crew. Is in Rogue One. Oh, that yeah? character continues. He's on that on the planet battle scene at the end. He's really? one of the yeah. It's the same actor. So I'm assuming he's playing the same character who's going to escape with Andor and mm-hmm. be, become part of the rebellion. Because mm-hmm. it was actually my my uh, my buddy uh, at work, Billy, pointed this out to me, and he showed. And I God, it's going to kick me because we just talked about it yesterday. That I can't remember the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that little that little bit of nerd, like blink and you miss it mm-hmm. kind of thing, is what I also appreciate about this. Yeah, it's like if you delve deep into it, you see this, but it's a surprise to most people.
1: Mm-hmm. No, but I'm I'm shocked at how much I'm enjoying the show, considering I really, really was super convinced that this was going to be a shit show. Yeah, that this was going to be bad and. That Star Wars had fully lost its way and, and had no way to come See, to the only thing
0: I can think of is is Disney was thinking the same thing. So they just took their hands off and said, you do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. And which is
1: what they should have been doing the whole time. Exactly.
0: This is what happens when you allow them to actually do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I truly cannot wait for each week. Like every Wednesday, I'm like giddy. I cannot yeah. fucking wait. And this, you know, like you said, we got two shows left? Uh,
1: three. Three episodes three shows left.
0: Out. Which is going to be perfect. That's going to end... Like, right when Willow starts. Yeah. So we're going to be able to roll out of Andor right into Willow, which I'm once again...
1: I will say, Disney Plus is keeping it. us busy. Yeah, it's keeping they, us very busy. They big. do a good job of keeping us busy. Which is good, because,
0: like, films and streaming, I know we do have, next week, we have um, Black Panther coming out. Oh, God, that is next week. That's next week. Um, But, yeah, we have not been getting a lot from the other streaming services. You know, like, as far as nerdy, scripted series mm-hmm. like paramount plus is you know nothing new and star trek has come out next year we're hopefully going to get well i know we're getting picard season three but i don't know if strange in worlds will be next year or the year I after no
1: know. i know that they finished filming it earlier this year so yeah. it might be next year we'll see
0: um i know next year we get the three doctor who specials with uh david Tennant which i'm very much anticipating those mm-hmm. uh, but once again we still gotta wait and we got to wait for Witcher season mm-hmm. 3 comes out next year. So it's just everything's a waiting game. So yeah, which is good and bad. Like it's good that we get to focus on this quality like with Andor. Oh, yeah. And then but bad that we got to wait so damn long. Well.
1: Yeah, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. It's a pain in the ass to have to wait for all this shit to come out. But as long as it continues to be of this level of quality, yeah. I'm fine with waiting. It's exactly. it's the issue is when I'm waiting for something to come out and it sucks.
0: Which, what we're, one thing I was I was uh, going to talk to you about, which we'll talk about it on air, um, they're pretty close to coming out with the third season of Mystic Quest. Are so they? we need to do a binge of those first two seasons. Yeah, we do. Because I've already seen them. You have not seen them yet. Nope. Um, we got to do a binge of them to so talk about them so that we can roll into the third season of that, I think you're going to love that show.
1: I love Rob McElhaney. <clears throat> I like Danny Pudi a lot. I know he plays a big role in that yes. show. Yes. Um, it's, it's a great show. Yeah. Like, if
0: you're a nerd and you love video games, you'll absolutely adore the show. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Charlie Day is one of the creators and writers also. So oh, is it's he? Got, yeah. So it's got, like, a real heavy hand with the cast of, uh, Always Sunny, good, so. Good, Um, all right, so now we gotta roll into one of the things that I appreciate with us not having anything else to talk about is we can talk about some nerdy things from our... We can pull that some That we will <laughs> Exactly. Like, last week was the werewolf thing, yeah. and this week we are gonna talk about... We each chose three films that we would call obscure. Now these are films that had theatrical releases, or at least were released on DVD, where people could watch them. They're not like two feet closer that no one ever <laughs> saw, like including us. Um, I never saw I of never that. I never saw it either. I don't the, think anyone. Lucas cut, still has it on his computer somewhere. The cut of that that I saw had my name misspelled in it. So. Oh, it did. <laughs> yeah. um, so we picked three obscure films uh-huh. that we're going to talk about. And they're not going to be long discussions. It's going to be some briefer discussions. Luckily, I think this episode might not hit the two-hour mark for no, the first time no, in no. forever. Um, but these are movies that you know we think you as an audience, like I guarantee most people have not seen at least two out of my three um, but these are ones that are fun to watch. Like, yeah. you should watch these movies. There's, they
1: they were overlooked when they came out. Exactly. Or have been largely forgotten. Yes. Or were never known in the first place.
0: And I am going to start Go ahead. with my first one is a British horror comedy from 2004 called Freak Out. Ah. Okay. I thought you were going to say Fido. No. No, 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 no. Fido, I, I wasn't a big fan of, even though I love Billy Connolly. Um Freak Out follows these two losers that are huge horror movie fans. I, they're like, I don't know if they're teens or early 20s. And they come across this escaped mental patient who is goofy. He's not scary, right? He's like, like oh, oh, oh. how he talks and all goofy. And they decide they want to train him to be their own serial killer. Like a Michael Myers type yeah. yeah. And so they go into this hardcore training to train this escaped lunatic to become a serial killer, and it is goofy, it is really funny. Like it's 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 a low budget British, so it's like it's not a huge well made film. Mm-hmm. It's a good bad movie, the ones I love. But like it has at the end, he actually the the goofy guy finally something clicks and he becomes the crazy serial killer, and they don't really have control over him anymore. But then there's a scene at the end where this one guy's girlfriend, one of the guys, his girlfriend, who dies, is back as a zombie. But she's like, okay, I'm a zombie now. Hey. And then there's like a dance routine. It's complete lunacy. But it is amazing. So the floor falls out of the bottom. Oh, it absolutely falls out. In fact, I, I, I meant to. I had to leave the house quick, but I was going to grab this movie for you to watch. Because I do own this, of course. It is freaking insane it's so good but I highly recommend it is is definitely something that if you ask a hundred people have you ever seen Freak Out a hundred of them will say no yeah but it is so fun and it is such insanity because it's it's a lot of British humor Mm -hmm. which for you know unfortunately most Americans don't like British humor and that's why we have to Americanize things like The Office and stuff even though The Office remake was good but a lot of the uh, American remakes of British stuff sucks oh yeah um Good example of that is the Doctor, Doctor Who the movie. Well, Doctor Who movie <laughs> did suck, but there's a great movie called death at a funeral, yeah. which is a British movie directed by Frank Oz, which is weird, but then they Americanized it and it was horrific compared to the British version.
1: Yeah. Um, the one standout that I've heard is that Peter Dinklage plays the same character yeah. in every iteration. Cause there's also an Indian version of it that they made. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, he, w- he said he would have played the character again if they'd asked yeah. him to for the Indian version. But, yeah, he played the same character yeah, it's... in both the British and the American one. And apparently, even that, you can. there's still a, a downgrade. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, the British humor is more subtle mm-hmm. and silly where American humor is loud and in your face. You and have... it's like, I don't want that. You
1: have Chris Rock leading the way of the American version. Yes, with
0: Martin Lawrence.
1: Yeah, so you know it's going to be loud and bombastic. Yes. And then you have... One of the trademarks of the movie is, uh, in the original, Alan Tudyk takes, I think it's shrooms or acid? or It
0: is. Um, his girlfriend's brother works at a, or he knows somebody from a college and they created this like acid LSD type mm-hmm. medication that Alan Tudyk's character thinks is Valium and he's all nervous because he's going to this funeral and then meeting his girlfriend's family. And so he takes it and it is hysterical. Yeah. He is so funny.
1: And so they replace him with James Marsden. Yeah. And I that, like James Marsden. Yeah, it's fine. It's just, it's James Marsden. Yeah. So it's it's always going to be the B-class yes. version of it. It's just, it's, I don't have anything against James Marsden. I've seen him in a lot of stuff. But I think the fact that the funniest thing I've ever seen him in was an outtake from Sex Drive where uh, they open the garage door and one of the characters sees him.
0: And is like, oh shit,
1: Cyclops. It's like, oh, so. <laughs> that's it.
0: That's the funniest thing I've that's seen awesome. him in. See, I loved him in, uh, did you ever see Hairspray, the mm, yeah. musical? He's awesome in that. Like, he's he's great in a lot of things. Like, I even liked him in Sonic the Hedgehog, but it's like, he was not good. But mm. in, it's tough to follow Alan, too, Dick, yeah. in anything. and
1: anything. Yeah.
0: I can't even imagine. I know I, there's talks of making a Dodgeball 2, and if they get anyone else to play Pirate Steve, I think there would be an uproar. Yeah. Because he is that character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Freak Out is my, number one, is my first one. Highly recommend it. Once again, it has no big name actors. Like, you would not recognize anyone from this movie. It is just goofy, stupid, and fun. And it's not really gory at all, either. It's just goofy. Mm-hmm. But highly recommend Freak Out. So,
1: my first one, not quite as old, but also in the 2000s. Uh, well, I guess 2015. So, not, not the 2000s, 2000s. But okay. We're post-Y2K here. This does have a lot of people that you'll recognize. Uh, this is a movie called Mr. Right, which not a lot of people saw when it came out. Is that the generous DeGeneres one? No. This stars my favorite, Anna Kendrick, and Sam Rockwell.
0: Okay.
1: Sam Rockwell plays a hitman who had, I think, head trauma and has realized that he doesn't want to kill people Anymore, Okay. So he's going to kill the people that hire him to kill people. So he still is in business as a hitman. And then when he's hired, he goes to the person who hired him and kills them. Interesting. But he's trying to go about having a normal life. He meets Anna Kendrick, who uh, is this paleontology major who can't get anything in her life to go right everything always goes wrong she's sexually att- attracted to lex luthor <laughs> like all these crazy things uh that go on Weird. with her and she meets <clears throat> sam rockwell and they just kind of hit it off and spend an afternoon together and then they start dating and she does he's totally upfront with her that he's a hitman and she just doesn't believe him and so you get to the scene where they're after a date they're hanging out and the because any movie i love can't be fully serious there is this very goofy undertone which is that sam rockwell is attuned to the flow of the universe so this allows him to do unlikely things okay like catch knives out of the air so he starts telling anna kedrick like just start throwing knives at me and he, he like catches them and then he tries to show her how to do it, and it's like this whole thing of just like feel the motion of the universe around you, and it's just so he's it's, the Obi Wan to her it's, Luke. It's very silly, yeah. Um, but the second half of the movie is great <clears throat> because the while all this is happening, you have two other storylines. One is Tim Roth is the guy who taught Sam Rockwell everything he knows. Okay, so he's trying to rein Sam Rockwell in because he's bad for business, and then you have Anson Mount and. Uh, what's his
0: face? Oh, I love Anson Mount. Uh,
1: James Ransone, who people will know from It Chapter 2. He played okay. Eddie in It Chapter 2. Said they're a local mob concern that are trying to get their feet under them. And they decide to hire Sam Rockwell to kill one of their rival hmm. guys. Which, of course, means that Sam Rockwell now has to kill this no. entire mob. Uh, but it's, it's hilarious because you have Anson Mount plays the, the head of the mob. But Anson Mount is also in a anger management program. Oh jeez. So he keeps on being pissed off and he'll like grab a gun. And then his sponsor, who's also his right hand man, will be like, Remember? And he's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I apologize. And it's just like this ongoing thing that he's always well, that trying. Awesome. It's it's really funny. It has, it has
0: hints of gross point blank in there. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely
1: and anna kicks ass by the end of the movie oh anna kicks serious ass by the end of the movie it's really great it's really funny and you have uh rizza shows up out of nowhere oh really as a they're they're handing out weapons to Uh the various mob members and rizza gets like a blunderbuss like an old school 1900s blunderbuss he's like what the fuck do you want me to do with this and so he does shoot sam rockwell with it but it doesn't do anything because it's like this ancient gun and Sam Rockwell's like, "Oh, hey, that's like a crazy gun." And like they hit it off and they start talking about mob stuff and killing people. And later on in the movie when Sam Rockwell's trying to tear through this entire mob, Riz is outside eating a bag of gummy bears. And so Sam Rockwell comes up, and he's like, "Hey, what would you guy got about got gummy bears?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah, you want one?" And He's like, "Uh, I'll take the green ones." He's like, "Oh, that's good. I don't like the green huh. ones." It's like this really charming, very silly movie, and it has a great cast. Is it streaming on anything, do you know?
0: Uh, I can't I can look. I don't know. Because that, I want to see this now. Because I love Gross Point Blank, and a lot of what you're talking about has a lot of beats that sound... It's on Netflix. Okay, I'll have to look that up. Mr. Wright, you said, right? Mr.
1: Wright. I also have a DVD copy if you want to just take that home tonight. But I love it. It's so good. It doesn't hurt that it stars Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell, who are two of my favorite actors of all time.
0: Like he'll just, always be guy to me from like galaxy quest yeah. stuff.
1: <laughs> Until the day i die I, just, I
0: love sam rockwell he's so good he's so good he's in everything he's in he's yeah. just
1: so ridiculously good in everything because the in.
0: same year he did i believe it was the same year he did galaxy quest he also did green mile mm-hmm. so if you want to talk about a stretch from one yeah. performance to a next holy shit there's
1: uh he was in a mob movie called heist that's a david Mamet movie yep fully different than anything else he we've we've talked about and then moon
0: moon oh my god um, moon is so great
1: no one of the great things in this is that uh he so he he wears a clown nose okay that's his costume like that's his whole costume he just puts on a clown nose he dances everywhere <laughs> like his whole thing is dancing because sam rockwell's an amazing dancer so they just have him dancing everywhere and it's just so charming same it's as so what funny. he
0: did in uh Charlie's Angels. Yeah, when he was the bad guy, he yeah. did that dancing.
1: Uh, But uh, he, his name is Francis, but he doesn't like his name. So any any anybody calls him Francis, he's like, oh, just, just don't call me. That. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to call you? What do you want me to call? You? I don't know. Just don't call me that.
0: I gotta look that up. All it's right, really so Mr. good, right, Mr. Wright. Mr. Wright. That I'm gonna watch that tonight. All right, my well, so what I did is I chose two like super obscure movies that I guarantee most people haven't seen, and then I chose one that is obscure, but you probably have seen it. So the next one is called Brain Donors. It's a 1992 comedy starring John Turturro. Mm-hmm. And it is loosely based on the first two Marx Brothers movies, A Night at the Opera and Day at the Races. Wait, the first two Marx Brothers movies or the first two Paramount Marx Brothers movies? Paramount, I think, okay. yeah. Um, so it's A Night at the Opera and Day at the Races. Yeah. Um, John taturo plays Groucho Marx. Like... <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty much Groucho, like he, like he is Groucho Marx, mm-hmm. and he fucking nails it. Like it also has Bob Nelson and Mel Smith play the um, the Harpo and uh, Chico characters, and they're good. John Satura was the reason to watch this movie. Yeah, because you watch it, and I love the Marx Brothers.
1: See, this is the thing: is that I I make fun of you, but it's only because I'm an Im- incredible
0: Marx Brothers. Oh, I like it. I fucking love the Marx Brothers. I. So I cannot stress, like I will never tell anybody to watch the Three Stooges movie because even though the performances of the actors who played the Stooges was good, the movie itself was so bad Mm -hmm. that it's not worth it. This movie actually is pretty funny and John Turturro a thousand percent nails it. So, it, it it follows the storyline similar to a Marx Brothers movie where a rich tycoon dies and his heiress has all this money and there's a ballet and they, you know, they get involved in everything. And, like, there's not much more to say other than John Tutorial plays Groucho Marx. Mm-hmm. And you'll watch it and be like, holy crap. See, that's enough for me. Yeah. Because I love Croucho. And this is like early tutorial because I believe this was like really early on. I don't know if he had done that. Um, oh, Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing. I think this was before Miller's Crossing. I would have to look at his filmology. So his, oh wow, his first credit was Raging Bull. Um, oh that. no, he did Miller's Crossing in 90. So this was 92. So this was after Miller's Crossing. And it was after Barton Fink. So he started to make a name for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was two years before Quiz Show, which I think was the one that really exploded him like out. Because he got I don't know, I can't remember if he got nominated for that. I think he and Ray Fiennes both got nominated. Yeah, so and he was great in Quiz Show. That was such a good movie. But it was like right in between a lot of his serious ones. So for him to play, and his name and his character's name was Roland T. Flackfizer.
1: That's close enough, yeah.
0: And it was like, okay, that's
1: I'm, I'm waiting for a, a Hugo Z. Hackenbush. I'm waiting yes, for man.
0: Rufus T. Firefly. Rufus T. Firefly. That's the one, Rufus T. Firefly. Um, but yeah, no. Highly recommend. And once again, it's not something that you're going to be like, I need to watch this or my life is going to end. It's like, no. If you're a fan of films, especially if you're a fan of the Marx Brothers, just to see how John Turturro pulls off Groucho, Yeah, 1,000% worth it. And... If you have not seen, and this is to our audience because we, of course, have seen it. If you have not watched the Marx Brothers, for God's sakes go and watch the sake, Marx Brothers. For fuck's sake, what are you doing? Animal Crackers is easily one of my top it's so good. ten favorite movies of all time. So, so here's the... Duck here's, Soup also. Here's the lowdown.
1: Okay. We're going to do this right quick. The Marx Brothers did two sets of studio pictures of, uh, and... The first five are some of the funniest fucking movies of all time. Yes. Uh, The first seven are the funniest fucking movies of all time. Yes. Uh, So you first movie is Coconuts. It's fine. You don't have to watch it. Animal Crackers, you have to watch it. You have to watch it. Ending's kind of suspect, but it's really fucking good. You have to watch it. Uh, Hooray for Captain Spaulding. Uh, Third is Monkey Business, which is interesting because they play themselves, which is a weird kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's fine. Horse Feathers, really good. Really, really good. Harpo plays a dog catcher. Uh, you have to believe that Zeppo and Groucho are father and son, Yeah, but that's fine, whatever. Uh, and then Duck Soup oh my God. is mandatory watching. Duck Soup is so good. It's so good. And then, if you love it, you got to go and watch Night at the Opera and a Day at the Races. After that, there's diminishing returns. I'm yeah. going to be fully honest with you, although I think they made a movie with Lucille Ball called Casablanca, mm-hmm. or Nights in Casablanca, I want to say Nights of Casablanca. Night of, in Casablanca. Yes. Um, and so like there's diminishing returns, big stores also really good. Mm. Um, but, uh, oh my God, I, 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 can't get over how much the Marx brothers are amazing. They're just are so, so they're so fucking good. They're and so they are
0: good. the most talented cause Groucho, he mainly just told jokes. Mm-hmm. He was the funniest human being alive in those movies. But then you have Chico who was an unbelievable pianist. He's a concert level pianist. Yes. And he plays the piano in a lot and of Harpo's films. Concert level yes. And Harpo's a concert-level harpist. And and Harpo, especially because it's all pantomime, because he doesn't mm-hmm. speak. And and everything he does is amazing. And then he plays the harp, and you're like, holy crap.
1: And I will say this about Duck Soup. Because the, the harp stuff is impressive, yeah. but it does slow down the movie quite considerably. I mean,
0: most of the music stuff does. It's yeah. more of like... Enjoyable just to watch. Yeah,
1: especially when you get to like a day at the races, there's a few musical numbers that you're like, okay, yeah, all right, let's, let's speed it up, let's speed get it up. This um, but fucking duck soup in the scene where uh, it's Harpo, Chico, and Groucho sitting around the cabinet table after the cabinet has left and they're just going around in circles. and Harpo has the tattoos that he's showing him to tell his story and he's like, where do you live? And he opens up his shirt and there's a doghouse. And Groucho goes, in, oh, it's not much, but it's home." Yeah. Meow. And then a dog head comes down and barks at him. He's
0: like, "Oh, I love those
1: guys." I the whole, love it.
0: Was it Animal Crackers with the Marie Chevalier when they're trying to get off the boat, or was that Duck Soup? I get them confused. Uh, that is, I think that's
1: a Night at the Opera.
0: No, it wasn't a Night at the Opera. No, it was either Animal Crackers or Duck Soup, and I cannot the the Chevalier, the Marie Chevalier, when they're trying to get off the boat and they're all pretending to be Chevalier. Oh, that's monkey business. Or that's monkey business. That's monkey, monkey business. That's yes. monkey business. That scene alone. There's nothing that has come out in comedy since can top even that scene. Because mm-hmm. that is just pure genius watching them go between the line. And then when the guy passes out and Crouch is like, quick, quick, everyone get around so he doesn't recover. It's like if, you don't, <laughs> if you're not listening and you don't hear the words he says, you're like, what did oh he my say? God. Quick, quick, closer so he doesn't recover. It's like I, that is pure genius.
1: For me, it always comes back to the beginning of Duck Soup when uh, they they sing the national anthem of Fredonia, yes, and Harpa or Groucho is late, and he's he's in the apartment above. He slides down a fire pole. Yeah. He runs over and he sees a bunch of people standing with swords up. So he goes over. And he pulls out his cigar and he holds it up like a sword. And then he looks at them and he sees that they're all wearing these short pants. So he hikes up his pants. And, it's
0: just and like, now, mind you, he's the current ruler. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's the one this. they're singing for. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so good. So yeah. So if anything of me talking about brain donors does for anyone listening, please watch the Marx Brothers. I, I You know, I will always say watch The Three Stooges. I grew up with The Three Stooges. They're embedded in my brain. Same with Abbott and Costello. Uh, same with Laurel and Hardy. But in reality, when it comes to pure hysterics, mm-hmm. nothing tops The Marx Brothers.
1: There's like, for me, it was The Marx Brothers. Mm. And then you have like Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Mm. And it's like, you have, these are the, the comics that you have to study yeah. from this era. Because it will show you so much. Mm. About where film has come from, and how it grew to that point. Yeah, that's I love true. it. I mean, any Marx Brothers movie. My entire list could just be Marx Brothers movies.
0: And honestly, the best thing Goldie ever did in uh, that one class we had with him mm-hmm. is when he showed us that scene. I can't remember which movie it is with Charlie Chaplin, where he's talking in gibberish uh, to prove that you don't need to speak yeah. to get your point across. The movies is pure genius. Yeah. Like that is literal genius. I don't want to hear anyone talk about this whole Kanye West is a genius bullshit anymore. Go watch that. That is genius level.
1: Man's clearly not a genius. No,
0: he's just a lunatic. He's just
1: a crazy person. Who's a,
0: he's a lunatic poet. Um, yeah. All right, so let's not get on to that. So that's my second one, brain donors. On to L. Okay, so uh, I have to think now because now I'm just thinking about Marx Brothers. And how I'm,
1: <laughs> Did I? I'm, I'm trying to think of all the lines to uh, hooray for Captain Spaulding. Uh, the African <laughs> Explorer. Did someone call me Snora? <laughs> hooray, hooray, Star. hooray all right so my second one is uh you may have heard of it it came out right before or no it came out in 2000 uh i i picked this for a 90s movie because it sticks out in my mind as a 90s movie apparently it's not it came out in 2000 but bite me i don't care uh titan a oh yeah i love that movie yeah that's a movie that no one has heard of No. no one talks about it's one of the last don bluth movies that fox did uh, and it's an edgy animated movie. This is not like a kids animated movie. It was Matt
0: Damon that voiced the lead, Matt right? Damon, yep.
1: Drew Barrymore, John Leguizamo, fucking uh, the guy with the face, Nathan Lane, Nathan Lane, Bill Pullman plays oh, the wow. villain. Uh, it's it's a great movie. Yeah, it's very movie. silly. Has a lot of butt rock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so if you're guess. into butt rock, if you like Creed, man, have I got the movie for <clears> you. <throat> uh, but I I can't get over how so much good. I like this movie. It's it's very action heavy it it's a it's a spacefaring movie basically yeah. the plot of the movie is an alien race comes and destroys earth and the son of the lead scientist uh is put on one of the many escape crafts mm. that are leaving earth and the scientist has designed a way to basically recreate earth so it's this like dyson sphere type object that has all of the dna samples of every creature on earth Mm. and if they can just get it working it'll be self-perpetuating to the point where it can just become a planet yeah so the entire movie is just about trying to find this thing and this guy who has grown up in space alone kind of he has like this one guy who took care of him who was a friend of his dad's Mm. and then like he's just this junker he's just this junk rat who goes around scavenging stuff and getting in trouble and he gets sucked into this adventure, and it's really fun. It's See, a really I think fun it failed movie.
0: because at that point, because also that is one like Treasure Planet, yeah, and the Atlantis, Search for Atlantis, or whatever that mm-hmm. one. That's when they started dumbing down kids' movies, mm-hmm. and so a movie like this wasn't going to succeed because it was intelligent and it was and too it scary was, for kids. It was scary, yeah, and it, it was it belonged in the eighties, kids' movies.
1: This is one of those animated movies that is like. It came out so far ahead of its time mm. in the sense that at the time, animated meant for children. Yes. Anime was this burgeoning idea on the cusp of society. It was not this thing that everybody was into. Yep. You know, nobody had their favorite. You had to go to a niche shop to get anime and then it was...
0: Yeah, the only anime at this point that I had seen was the Robotech show, yeah. the Mad Cross Saga. Exactly. That was it. And I loved that. But I had zero, like access like you're saying to anime it wasn't around no
1: it wasn't something that you could just go to like a blockbuster i'm yeah. sure some blockbusters did carry an anime but like the vast majority of them didn't really carry that stuff so animation was a disney movie and a don bluth movie was just like a step up from like mm. a disney movie it was a little scarier but even something like anastasia or uh an it was kind of terrifying right um, that song that Rasputin has oh my is God. scary. Rasputin himself. Is yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't care that you have Hank Azaria cracking jokes. Yeah. That was scary. That, yeah, that was, was scary. actually scary. Jim Cummings, I believe, sings the song because Jeremy, oh no, I'm thinking of Lion King. No, Jim Cummings also does sing it. Does he? Yeah, because the guy who voice acts for... Uh, Rasputin, I believe Rasputin Christopher
0: King. Lloyd. Yeah, he yeah. really sing, so yeah. Jim Cummings was a lot of And that's the thing, too. You have Christopher Lloyd voicing something. Yeah. That's never going to go well. <laughs> no. His voice is not a kindly... No, no. No, 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 but no. But, like,
1: I, I... Don Bluth movies don't get enough credit. No, not at all. Um, you know, you look at I, I Hope to God... They make uh they have been talking about it for long enough.
0: Oh, Dragon Slayer, Dragon Slayer, yeah. Which those games back in the day, like for anyone that didn't live in the 80s, the Don Bluth games like Dragon Slayer and Space Ace, yeah, those were amazing. And they sank more money out of my pocket. Yeah. Than oh, those games are impossible. You
1: can't actually win them if you're nope. playing in the arcade. You have to you have to play them not on the arcade because
0: yeah. you're never gonna win. No, um, and like the Don, like you're talking, you got me thinking about Don Bluth now. Mm-hmm. The film that scarred me as a child that was Don Bluth was The Secret of Nim. Great oh my movie, god! Yeah, but holy crap, the, that is terrifying.
1: The Rat ne- uh, Nicodemus oh and that Nicodemus literally scared me. That was it was him and this one picture of Gollum mm-hmm. that was on a, a copy of The Hobbit, and those were the two things that haunted me at night. Those those things scared me to death when I was four years old. But anyway, uh, so Titan AE is a, it's a pretty basic by the numbers kind of story. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's very, I won't call it silly cause it, it does take itself very seriously the entire time. Um, but like, as long as you don't mind a little bit of butt rock and a little bit of, uh, Drew Barrymore playing a Japanese woman mm-hmm. or voicing a Japanese woman, I guess I should say. Uh, it's really good. It's it's definitely worth checking out, and you know it may not have aged super well, but I remember watching it a few years ago, and this might just be the nostalgia quotient. But I remember watching it being like, "This isn't bad. Yeah. This isn't half bad."
0: Which unfortunately, a lot of those the animation d- might not age as well, but the story, as long as the story's solid, because yeah. like this even like
1: hand drawn with some CGI. Yeah, it's not all CGI. It was
0: one of the first ones that were doing that because yeah. that was like that time frame that they started doing that, which. Um, Treasure Planet, the, yeah. I, the other one I was thinking about. That one also was big into that. Yeah. Um. But no, you're right. It was a solid movie. Yeah.
1: No, I, I enjoy that movie a lot. That's going to be a movie I show my kids. I'm, nice. I'm sure of that.
0: I but, like that. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. All right. So my final one also holds the significance because it is my favorite Christian Bale movie. Okay. It's 2002's Equilibrium.
1: <laughs> Have you ever seen I, Equilibrium? I
0: haven't seen it since it came out, okay. but I, I did see it. Yes, Equilibrium is, in my opinion, one of the most underrated action movies ever made.
1: It's a really cool concept that looks cool, and then when you talk about it, I feel like it becomes significantly less cool.
0: See, it it sounds less cool. With the story. Okay, so the story is: it's a dystopian future where emotion and. Uh, Feelings and artistic expression has been outlawed, and they even give a psycho, uh, like a drug to people to, like, restrain their emotions, and Christian Bale and Tay Diggs are two of this group, I think they call them the bishops, actually, it's been a long time, um, who are, like, enforcers, so, like, the the emotion police, and they, they raid homes if people are hiding artwork and all that, and... It's a lot of violence and a lot of shooting and it's a lot of two guns. It reminds me a lot of John Woo movies where they have the two guns and all that. Super. And then Christian Bale doesn't take his drugs one day and he sees a painting and it gives him an emotional response. And that's when he realizes, holy shit, I am on the wrong side of this. And the whole movie then is him fighting against Tay Diggs and the establishment to kind of end this whole reign over people's emotions. Yeah the
1: one thing i will say cuz it's not the plot that is the thing that pushes it for me when it when it comes mm. to talking about it it's the fact that this movie tried to in to degrees invented gun fu before john wick did the the whole premise of this is martial arts with guns yes so there's a lot of like just think of like sabers clanking in the air yes but it's guns and like being like yeah <laughs> And it's just like being deflected away so you can't shoot the guy. Well,
0: and the unfortunate thing, and you could tell they did a massive influence off of this movie, is it came out three years after Matrix. It's super Matrix-y. And you could tell it was this, you know, whoever, I can't remember the... It was them saying... Oh, it was Miramax. (laughs) Miramax. Hmm. Um, Dimension Films and Miramax. It was them saying we need to make our... It's it's similar to what happened with Star Trek, the movie, and Mm -hmm. Star Wars. It's like, we need to make our version. And I think it got pushed under the radar because of that. People were like, oh, it's a Matrix ripoff, blah, 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 blah. Same thing with uh, 12 Days in the Valley, which was a blatant Pulp Fiction ripoff. Mm-hmm. It was like an early Charisse Theron and Bill Pullman and all, and Eric Stoltz movie. Um, this one kind of got pushed to the side, but if you go back and rewatch it, the style, the, the like, Christian Bale is, I think, fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. Like cuz he, you know, I do think he's a great actor. I love The Machinist. I love, you know, I love most of the things he's done. But he he just does a great job and the action is fucking great. Mm-hmm. It is so good. Um so, you know, once again, it's it's not going to ever be able to shake off that Matrix mm-hmm. comparison. Because it is blatantly, like, even their long black I was going to say, they have
1: long trench coats. Yeah,
0: it's it's a very, it's a blatant rip-off. They have long leather trench yes, coats. Yes, blatant rip-off. But I think it is a well-done ripoff. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, a lot of rip-off movies just turn out to be shit. Like, to, to what I just said with 12 Days in the Valley, there was also one called Go, I believe was the name of it, that was also similar in that vein of, like... Um, pulp fiction where they have the bunch of storylines kind of connecting, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. That wasn't good. Twelve Days in a Valley I did actually enjoy. Um, but this movie highly recommend. I it's just a fun movie.
1: And it tries to do something interesting.
0: Yes. You know, it like I, I I
1: joke about it, but it did try to invent this new form of visual action. Yes. Where it's somewhere between a sword fight and a gunfight. Yes. And whether that works or not is going to be dependent on who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody comes into a movie bringing their own baggage in one form or another. So depending on what your baggage is, you're going to either really dig it or you're going to find it really silly. Uh, It's definitely not as crafted as something like John Wick is in terms Mm -hmm. of its look and in terms of its flow. But for the time, it's doing things that no one else was doing, considering everybody was ripping off the Matrix you know they were still doing things that nobody else was doing,
0: and it, this has the the luck of not only of ripping off the Matrix, but I don't know if it had a, I don't think it had been made yet, but it also rips off V for Vendetta's storyline a little mm. bit because that had the Thought Police that was restricting people's ability to look at certain things and, yeah. and think certain ways, um, and this took it kind of to the extreme. But once again, if you're a Christian Bale fan, highly recommend Kurt Wimmer. It is a 2002 film. Give it a shot. Emily Watson's also in and I love her. Um, but yeah, equilibrium. That's my third movie. Yeah.
1: It's also of that same kind of ilk as like your Logan's run where they have the Sandmen, and yes. you have, you know, all these movies where you have an agent who hunts down somebody who's thinking quote unquote radically. Yes. And so, which is just to say against society norms. Mm-hmm. Um, so my last one is one that I defy anyone to know. Okay. Uh, you, my friends, my, not my family, my family knows it quite well. Um, But uh, any movie buff out there Mm. who uh, likes to tout their knowledge of film, you have to find The Wizard of Speed and Time. Okay. Have you ever heard of this movie? I have not. Okay. So The Wizard of Speed and Time is one of the most indie movies of all time. And it's basically the story of this guy, Mike Jitlove. It's an autobiographical story of him trying to get basically a TV special made. Uh, he is a stop-motion animator who makes all of his own animations. And he does it all in his own basement. He has a bunch of crazy gadgets that he has. There's toys laying around everywhere. You can see why I like this movie. Um, and he, it's basically the story of him trying to make this his movie and the studio that's trying to steal it from him. And ironically, this had already happened once to him which is why he was making The Wizard of Speed in Time. And then some of the actors in Wizard of Speed in Time tried to do the exact same thing again and steal the movie from him. Uh, So it's it's a great, very, very silly movie. It's full of awesome one-liners. It's hilarious. It's so biting of the industry and everything that it takes to get into the industry. There's this whole idea that he loses his credentials at one point And so he's told that he has to go back and start as a film loader in order to get anywhere in the industry again. Uh, He can't join the union unless he's in the union. Uh, He has all these things that are keeping him from doing what he wants to do. But ultimately, it also shows that he has more freedom than any of the people in the movie industry, because he can make whatever he wants.
0: The cinematographer from this movie worked on Titanic.
1: Really? Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, That's awesome. There's a there's a scene where the producers who are trying to steal his movie are trying to make a, a holiday special, holidays with food, um and they have they want to put like star sparkles up, and they're talking to their animator, and he's like, oh yeah, it's like a thousand dollars per sparkle, and meanwhile, Mike is in his basement just sparkling the shit out of every frame because he can make it the way he wants and he has a little suitcase where he keeps everything in but there's also a little motor in it so he rides it around as a car and it's it's just like this adorable silly wonderful movie about this guy who's just trying to animate what he wants and it's it's so well written and so well thought out and really just shows what level of creativity you can do it's it's a youtuber back in 1988 you know it's like he didn't have a platform so he was just making shit in his basement and trying to get people to buy it and it's it's a delightful movie i love it so much uh the tagline in the trailer is five years in the making five days in the theater so it's like it's that kind of movie they know they're small they know they're nothing in in the grand scheme of things but they're so special and so funny. And it's so good. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, if not, it's definitely worth hunting down. Um, just some of the... F- me and my family still quote so many lines from the, this movie all the time. All the fucking time. And it's just... It's so fucking good. I love it. I love it so much.
0: That is awesome. And which blows my mind. I was a big fan of Miami Vice back in the day. Um, Philip Michael Thomas, who played Tubbs... Mm-hmm. One of the leads in it was in The Wizard of Speed and Time. He was policeman Mickey Polanco. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: No, I love it. I I fucking love it. It's so full of great shots and just moments where you're like, how the fuck did they do that? I gotta see that.
0: (laughs) Oh, It's so good. I I gotta see that. So we did good, though. We, that was we picked yeah. movies that each other had not seen. Nope. Well, it's Titan A.E. I've seen. You but, had seen, yes. Yes. Yeah. But that was also one of those ones where it was just like,
1: I'm looking at the internet, and I'm thinking like, what in the fuck has the internet never heard of that yeah. they think they've heard of? It's like, oh, you've, you've never heard there of Titanite
0: was AE. Honestly, I had a list of like 30. Yeah. And I had to break down to three.
1: I had a bunch more. I was going to talk about World's End, the end of the Cornetto trilogy. That oh, no, Everyone about talks that. about Hot Fuzz, and everybody talks about Shaun of the Dead, and no one talks about World's End, which I think is better than Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. See,
0: I give you better than Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fuzz is still one of my all-time favorites, but World's End is It's so fantastic. fucking good. The end of that movie is so good. It's so good.
1: I We were talking about things where the third act kind of fell out yeah. of the bottom. This has one of the best third acts of any movie in the yeah. last twenty years, I don't fucking care. It's so good.
0: But and it and it is shocking to me. I guess not overly shocking. The amount of movies that a lot of people have not seen. Like kind of a recent one is this is the end. That one with yeah, um, uh, Seth Rogen and yeah. James Franco they played themselves. You know how many people haven't seen that movie. It's like dude, that movie's awesome. Like I was trying to explain to people why I got into the Backstreet Boys. And it was because <laughs> I saw that movie and at the end. When Jay Bernthal has to make his wish, and he wishes for the Backstreet Boys. And I was like, ah, man, I actually liked them back in the day. And I started listening to them again because of that movie. Same thing with um, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, the uh, Wilson Phillips song, um, Hold On.
1: God, the time before Neil Patrick Harris came out as gay. Yes. That was a fun time. Which
0: the funny part was is he came out as gay. Did you ever see the Christmas special they did?
1: No. Harold I've, and Coomer I've Save seen, Christmas. I've
0: seen clips but I've never seen the whole thing. He, they have Neil Patrick Harris and he had already come out as gay and but they have him in the movie as he's gay but he's only pretending. And so like he gets this <laughs> he gets this woman back in his room with him and he, he said oh I'll give you a massage don't worry I'm gay. And then he starts like grabbing her and she goes I thought you were gay. He's like yeah gay for that pussy. he's <laughs> like absolutely murdered me oh my god and i, I love neil patrick harris i Everybody, do too that's but, so great no there's so many out there and i i i like this like when i came up with this idea i was like you know i really want to do this more because there's so many more movies like we have this situation that not only like i want to see mr right now yeah i have never seen it i want to see the last one too the wizard of uh what is this the speed wizard of time speed of time i want to see those now yeah I lo- and I, I, I'm I hoping people listening to this will, will hear some of these movies and be like, yeah, I want I yeah. to watch those now. Because there's so many great movies, obscure movies, that are out there that no one will ever see. Yeah. And it's a shame because they're so good. Oh, my God. And, and most of them are free online. the YouTuber ones. That's
1: the thing is that these are movies that, like, yes, arguably it helps to have some kind of nostalgic feeling for them. But also, Wizards of Time, that's just a, a love letter to filmmaking, no. not to Hollywood, not to major motion picture, not to production, not to any of these things. It is a love letter to the idea of making movies. Yes. And that's the kind of thing that like everybody should be into Wizards Be In Time. Yeah. You know, Mike Jitlove, for how long it might have taken him to finally get to a point of being famous for his work, mm-hmm. deserves to become famous for his work because he's it's really good. Mm-hmm. And it shows just how much love and effort he put into it.
0: And you know where I first got this idea from? Hmm. I was listening to a Patton Oswalt, and he was talking about um, criticizing people who make movies, but they real. He said, you know, it's not easy to do, but people do it, and you just got to try. And he based it his whole argument on a movie called Deathbed, the bed that that eats kills people, people. kills yeah. people. And I went and saw. I I found that you found it, and I saw it, and it <laughs> is horrible, but it's awesome. I just love that bit of
1: just like. But what if he didn't get discouraged? Yeah. What if he fought through it? Like, oh, this is shit.
0: No, I have to yeah. finish it. But like even troll too. Yeah. They fought to make that movie and they made a movie and it's like as bad. Like I would rather people go out of their way to see movies like that than to see some of these big budget crappy shit oh, yeah. movies. Oh yeah. That are just
1: terrible. Like I, there's so many movies I've seen over the last year. Mm. Uh, where you just look at it and you're just like, this was a waste of my time. Yes. This was ultimately a waste of my time. I've seen Wizard of Speed and Time so many times. I have never felt like it was a waste of my time.
0: Yeah. And like the thing, a good example of what you're saying is, is take any of the DCEU movies mm-hmm. and then take Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool was made with passion and focus. And it was his life's duty where DCU, they're like, Oh, here are the characters just make a movie. Yeah. And there's no heart behind any of
1: them. No, it's just, it's all about, hey, superheroes are big right now. And we have the three biggest superheroes of all time. We can make some fucking cash. Yeah. Do you care how good the movies are? Not really. No. We just want to shove as much as we can into any one given movie. Yeah. And that's
0: Zack Snyder, who I, once again, like to refer to as Uh, Baby Michael Bay.
1: (laughs) He is trying
0: everything in his power to become Michael Bay. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, he wants to be Michael Bay. He wants to be Michael Bay Bay so much. And it's
0: like dude there's already one michael bay we don't don't need need it we don't need a new michael Bay. i I think honestly after the last one i saw which was what uh uh army of the dead Uh uh-huh after that i was like he is definitely michael bay now
1: can you imagine if Zack snyder made the uh pearl harbor the movie that had that was a michael bay movie that was like three hours long that was so bad it's really bad and I, I seem to remember hearing that it has enough film that if you stretched it end-to-end, end, it would go to the moon. Oh my God. And I'm just like, can you imagine if, if Zack Snyder did that? Because there would be so much slow motion you could easily have.
0: And it and that movie already has one of the worst, most cringeworthy slow motions. Mm-hmm. And that's when Alec Baldwin's character is leading them all to the planes and he's got that slow walk and he's like really hamming it up. I was like, dude, that's horrible. No, it's
1: not a I good I remember I said to my
0: grandfather who loved... He loved, um, like, war movies, because he was in World War II. And so he's like, I want to really see Pearl Harbor. I'm like, Grandpa, I don't know if it's going to be. Let's go see it. And afterwards, he's like, what the fuck was that? The only good part of that movie is, is Cuba Gooding yeah. Jr. No, because that I thought that was a good part, too, until you realize that was completely not what that guy did. Yeah. And you're like, Sigh. Even really? this we
1: can't have. He can't have that. Yeah.
0: So fuck that. Yeah, oh, that movie's terrible. Ben really bad. That was the, that was the uh, post-Reindeer Games bad Ben Affleck.
1: That's the movie that I saw where I used to like Kate Beckinsale a lot, and then I saw that movie and I was like, maybe she can't act. I don't know. Maybe well, the it's American this movie accent maybe it's not. Was a
0: little. It wasn't suspect. very good. No, it wasn't very good. because yeah. um, she was good in uh, like the first thing I ever saw her in was uh, Much Ado About Nothing. The she's great in Much Ado. She's about great nothing. about in that movie. Uh,
1: have you seen Shooting Fish? No. You want to talk about obscure movies? That's uh, really that's uh, Kate Beckinsale and um, the guy that played. Uh, Dorian Gray and the... Stuart Townsend. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Aragon before he got fired. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, it's it's the two of them. It's oh, a heist God. movie. Uh, Townsend and this other guy play these orphans who have always dreamed of having a big house. And they live in like a water tower. It's, mm. Again, it's one of those really kooky weird movies,
0: but... Can you ever... Getting off on a tangent. Talk about a guy's career going from potentially massive to being ruined... Getting fired from Lord of the Rings and then making League of Extraordinary Gentlemen mm-hmm. and just being like, "Well, there goes your career." You're- and then even the uh, the sequel to Interview with the Vampire, the Queen of the Damned, was terrible, and mm-hmm. he played Lestat. Mm. It's like, God damn, man. Yeah. You're just not getting any breaks. No, it, it went
1: really bad. And he was a good actor. Yeah. It wasn't like he was Very a bad so. actor.
0: It just didn't work out. Can you imagine if he was in Lord of the Rings? No. His career would have been so much different. No. Like Viggo Mortensen is, is beloved now, and Stuart Townsend, people are like, who? Who? Who's Stuart Townsend? I don't, know who you, I don't know who you're talking about. He'll always have that little that little trivia nod. Who was fired from Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings to put Viggo Mortensen in there? Oh, <laughs> Stuart Townsend. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, that was our show. We hope you enjoyed it. It's a little different than, than what we've done recently because we don't have a million TV shows and movies to talk about. The dump truck didn't show up with a
1: mile and a half of content Whoa. we had to sift through. And so. I,
0: I, I, I appreciated it. You I know, really needed it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I like being able to go back. Lately, I have my, I like to call them Bertha's. I have these three movie cases that hold 480 discs that I haven't opened in forever because I've been watching so much stuff. I started going through them, mm-hmm. started looking, started showing some of the old movies to the kids and started looking at some of these classics that I haven't looked in forever. And I'm like, no, exactly. Damn. That's why I
1: watched beast. That's why I watched wax work.
0: It's because yeah. I didn't have anything else that was
1: hanging over my head exactly. that I had to get done. I was just like, Oh, I got fucking time. Let's fucking check this shit. Out. And it was great. Yeah, It was great. It's amazing.
0: Uh, so Nerdpod generations, episode 77 is in the books. Um, Once again, if you are listening to us with the first time, please please let other people know. They can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any podcast site of your choice. Make sure to check us out on YouTube. If you're looking for something more individualized, um, You uh, look me up at staylorbooks.com. You can look me up at judsomstudios.org
1: under the Bronx Division tab.
0: And come back next week, folks, because we are going to have to figure out if next week is going to be our Black Panther week. Yeah. Uh, We're going to have to figure out uh, the logistics. If it's not next week. It'll be the week after. Mm-hmm. And next week we'll hit another uh, hot topic. It'll
1: come in. out at some point, if for nothing else, because Marvel will do their damnedest to spoil it for us if we don't see it before Monday yeah, after it comes out.
0: We, we're gonna figure that uh, out.
1: But like, this is the things that I also want to talk about football because I'm going to the Bills game this weekend against the Jets. Like, there's so many things I want to talk about. Yeah. So, but we're gonna get there. We're gonna we'll get, get through there. all of it. We'll get there. And at the end of it all, remember, the best werewolf is Fruit. fruit. Have a good night, friends and enemies. I'm
0: gonna pretend you didn't say that.